Hey everyone, this is Cameron at Dwarf Hope Northeast. Happy Sunday. I hope this day is treating you well so far. Um, we are continuing on through 3rd John, and I think we should just jump right on in. So today we're going to be in verses 5 through 8. Let's read them right now. It says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So John is still writing to this uh, believer named Gaius, and he's now turning his attention to sort of celebrate something positive that he, he sees in Gaius's life, which in this case is Gaius showing notable hospitality towards some, what are evidently some traveling missionaries that have come through Gaius's church community. And notice this first word he uses here, this beloved. Uh, it, it, it implies uh, prized one, valued one, one who is loved and near and dear. Um, John's love has been stirred up for Gaius because of this, what he says, this faithful thing that you do as you take care of these other brothers. Um, I don't know if you use the word beloved that often. I do not, uh, but maybe we should. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful phrase um, that just captures so much of, of John's heart for this man. And the thing that's stirring this up is, is this faithful work that he does, this faithful, faith-evidencing work that Gaius is doing um, for this group of traveling missionaries. Um, he says it's, it's for these brothers, um, and notice this word, strangers as they are. And that word strangers is just loaded with significance uh, throughout the whole Bible. It's translating this Greek word, xenos, uh, which again just means stranger. And uh, something to note here, and I'll just pause to, to plug something. If you're, if you're not familiar with the Door of Hope Leadership Podcast, it's something we've been doing for a few years. Just put out a few episodes a year, um, but it's designed to get kind of some extra training content in the hands of, of uh, people in leadership around the Door of Hope churches. Um but if whether or not you're currently in leadership or not, we'd love for you to come listen listen to these, and hopefully you'd find them helpful. Again, just search for Door of Hope Leadership Podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever. But a couple of years ago, uh, myself, Holly Winchell, and Rebecca LaRue, we did an episode on um, hospitality. And one of the things we pointed out is that is that the Greek the Greek word uh, that we translate hospitality is this word philoxenos, which combines the Greek uh, phylos for brotherly love and this xenos um, for stranger into this compound word. So you've got essentially the love of the stranger. And this theme is so, so important <laughs> throughout the whole Bible. I mean, even just think back to Exodus, um, <clears throat> that great event when God takes his people, the ones who were once strangers and sojourners in the land of Egypt, and he delivers them and he brings them into covenant relationship with himself. He pours out his love on them. And then as he, as he gives them the law and teaches them about how they are to interact with the stranger in their midst, 
uh, he does the same thing. He says, or Exodus 23, 9, you know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. And his, he then takes them to, therefore, you guys need to extend love, extend care, extend welcome, extend grace. Um, it is God's heart towards us, and thus it is meant to be our heart towards strangers in our midst. Not only that, I think it it carries into the heart of the gospel itself, because what what is the gospel except that God, in his great love toward us who were far from him, who were strangers to him in so many respects, has extended love, grace, peace, mercy, forgiveness through Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, ascension. He has done it all on our behalf, though we were, in fact, strangers. And so there there was a theologian named Joshua Jipp who in 2017 wrote this book called Saved by Faith and Hospitality, which is just it's such an inflammatory title, especially in, for a reformed crowd. Like to, to add anything onto Saved by Faith is uh, is it's a bold move. But when you read the book, you see, you see what he's doing. What he's essentially doing is picking up on this theme that that. Our salvation by faith alone, and he would affirm that, is made possible because of God's hospitality toward us, which I think is a very true statement. And so um, it's a good book if you're ever interested in checking that out. But here's my point for now. John is celebrating that Gaius is demonstrating this stranger love in the way he's treating these traveling missionaries. These these people are coming through and Gaius has put them up. It, it, the implication is that he's taken them into his house. He's perhaps fed them, perhaps given them uh, some money as, they've, as they're going out on their journey. Uh, but they're strangers. They're strangers. And they've done this. And then verse six says that they've come back at some point after this to their church, to John's church. And they've testified to Gaius's love and service toward them. Though they had nothing in common, they did not know one another, all they knew is that they were united in Christ. Um, Gaius extended all of this toward them. And so that's what John wants to affirm and encourage and and spur on in Gaius. Uh, But then he moves on. He says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. And so it's, it's happened in the past. Now he's saying, essentially, look, I want to encourage not only your patent, not only encourage you for the hospitality you've shown in the past, the stranger love you've shown in the past, but I'm telling you, you will do well to continue to do this in the future and to send people on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Um, to send them on their way, this, this word here in the Greek actually functions in the New Testament, a little bit like a technical term for, for missionary support. Uh, in many places, that's that's kind of the meaning it sort of takes on. Um, so support these missionaries. And then this word in a, in a worthy manner or worthily. And I think that's an interesting phrase. We, we see that phrase used in lots of places in the New Testament. I, I, I came across six, Romans 16, 2. Welcome her in the Lord and in a way worthy of the saints. Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1.10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, um, we exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. 
and then now 3 John 6, send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. And that, that word worthy is interesting because, of course, we believe grace is something that is, is given freely apart from our worthiness of it. Um, we believe that it's it's unmerited favor. It's the kind of thing that though we deserved it not, God gave it. Um, but this worthily word reminds us that, that though grace is freely given, it does demand a response that's fitting. Um, if we're the recipients of grace, we then uh, have have the privilege of living differently in light of that grace. It's 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 that grace that motivates a change in behavior, in fact, and that's really important to get right because if we believe we have to change our behavior first to earn God's grace, we have totally subverted the gospel. Um, we've we've found ourselves in a works based religion. But if the grace comes first, and then our our efforts and our life change is the result of the security of knowing God loves me. He's done everything for me. He's saved me. And he's even equipped me and empowered me with his Holy Spirit. Now I can walk differently. I can walk worthily. Um, that changes the whole tone and tenor of, of the interaction. Um, but he says here uh, to take care of these missionaries in a way that is worthy. That is worthy. And then he's going to give three reasons why. Three reasons why um, Gaius should uh, continue to send them on their way worthily, to, to partner with them and, and, and to continue to show them this kind of radical stranger love or hospitality. So reason one comes in first part of verse seven. It says, for they've gone out for the sake of the name. His point is that their motivation is correct, that their, their journeying um, is for the sake of Jesus' name and glory going out further. They're, they're doing their part in the Great Commission to see every nation uh, have disciples made, to see, to play their part in that in that future glorious day when, when people from every tribe, tongue, nation is gathered around the throne of God. So their, their motivation is sincere. Number two, says that they accepted nothing from the Gentiles. So uh, the, the point here is that they demonstrated that they were not, it, well, in part, it's that they were not financially or materially motivated, first of all. Um, they received nothing from the Gentiles, presumably, so that as they're ministering to Gentiles, to these non-Jews, their motives couldn't be challenged. And it's clear that they wanted to spread and honor the name, not, their, not pad their own pocketbooks. And John Stott comments on this in his commentary on this passage. He says, look, Christian ministers and teachers, they, they have the right to be supported by those who benefit from their service, as Paul several times insisted. And he points out 1 Corinthians 9, Galatians 6, 1 Timothy 5 as examples. But Stott says a Christian congregation supporting a minister or a missionary is one thing. Missionaries begging for money from unbelievers is another, and I think that's that should be obvious that that there would be something very distasteful about a missionary going to proclaim the gospel in a new place to people who don't know it and saying, "Here's the good news now will you please <laughs> will you please pay me for it 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 would be to totally mess up that interaction and so um and so John 
continues to, to affirm that, no, these, these people who are going out are not taking money from the Gentiles. They're supported by their brothers and sisters in Christ who believe in the work. And that's the way it ought to be. And then reason three comes in verse eight, which is, it says, therefore, we ought to support people like these. So again, he's setting up. So, so here's the reason that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And this, this points out a really helpful thing to remember that the Christian missionary enterprise or, or, or the task to go and make disciples of all nation, that, that sort of great commission task, it's not undertaken only by evangelists or apostles or traveling missionaries, but, but also by those who support them and, and host them. Um, you'll hear, if you spend any time around missions organizations, you'll, you'll hear this, um, and hopefully you'll hear it around Door of Hope Northeast as well quite a bit. Um, but if we properly understand and, and, and respond to the Great Commission, we will view ourselves as part of God's missionary effort to make disciples of all nations. So um, no matter who you are, if you're a believer, you will come to see yourself as responsible to that great commission as, as playing a part in it, but not everyone plays the same part. So some are going to do this as mobilizers or motivators, people who cast vision to, 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 to raise up other people to go and do the work. So that's one. Number two, some are going to do this through offering like primarily uh, prayer and relational support, or maybe through financial or material support. These are people you might call senders. And then third, some will be the ones who go, who go and actually uh, carry the good news themselves to the people who do not know it, um, who will labor uh, with new com communities to proclaim who Jesus is, what he's done, and uh, what, what you must do to be saved. Um, and we could call them goers. Um, so and we could probably parse out more roles than that, but but I think a, a nice, simple way to think of it is mobilizers, senders, and goers. And this is just similar to Paul's body of Christ metaphor that he, he uses a couple of times in the scriptures that a functioning body is, is not all made up of the same part. A body made up of all legs is some sort of like horror movie monstrosity, right? But a well-functioning body is made up of a plurality of parts who each in doing their own specific function make the whole thing healthy. And so the, the sort of great commission works that way. There's, there's mobilizers, there's senders, and there's goers. Here, John is, is reminding Gaius that when you offer support, um, whatever that looked like, we don't get the specifics here, but let's say it's through providing them a place, these guys a place to stay when they came through and, and maybe giving them some financial support as well. In so doing, they become what John calls fellow workers for the truth. They're just as essential to the purpose. You know, Gaius perhaps is called to be where he is and, and, and to minister there and to serve and love his church community there. And that's great. He can still play a part in the gospel going out far beyond uh, in this way. And so be a fellow worker for the truth. If you remember in 2 John, verse 11, uh, John the Elder, he's, he's warning his readers against providing hospitality um, to a preacher who's preaching a different Jesus. 
And he says, don't offer them hospitality because to do so would make you a sharer in their wicked work. <laughs> but, it, but here, in, in the case of this faithful missionary who's preaching the true Jesus, he counsels Gaius to do the exact opposite. He says, look, do support them. Do show the stranger love to these folks because in so doing, you get to be a fellow worker for the truth, the capital T truth, the truth of the real Jesus. Um, and so we should end here, um, just with this note that, uh, we have a lot to learn here as a community. We're, we're a brand new church community, but we want to be one who does this well, both, um, who is rooted in our specific place and context. Uh, if you've been around Door Hope for much time, you know that that's the case. The city pillar is important to us. We think our embodied presence here as a, as a redeemed, uh, reconciled people in our city is one of the most important ways that we are going to reach the city of Portland. And at the very same time, uh, we want to be a community that, while rooted here, looks out beyond itself to the wider world and strategically and carefully and wisely um, supports the gospel going out beyond as well. Uh, and for us, most of us here, that's going to be in these very forms as, as mobilizers and as senders, uh, people who offer support in various ways to folks who go out and take the good news forward uh, to new places, even as many of us stay here to try to see it deepen where we are here in Portland, Oregon. So I think that's something for us to pray. Maybe, maybe the application here is that uh, maybe for the next few days, we could just pray that as we find our footing as as a, a new young church, that that God would give us a vision for how to do this well and faithfully. So may that be our our prayer together over these next few days. That whatever Door of Hope Northeast looks like ten years from now, at least part of that would be a church that shows love to the stranger well uh, in every form, including those who go out. Uh, and carry the good news forward to new areas. Amen.